so used to seeing things that, in my opinion, aren't quite right in our treatment of animals. Yeah, the less we eat, the less violence is being done, and the less destruction to the environment. Everyone eats, and everyone has to make a moral decision every time that we sit down to the table. Welcome to the Animal Voices Radio Show, Western Canada's only radio program on animal advocacy and compassionate living. This is 100.5 FM Co-op Radio CFRO in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Today is Friday, December the 15th, 2017. I am your host, Alison Cole, and I'm joined here today by our co-host, Sinead Sanders. Hello. And our guest co-host, Alexandria Beck. Hi. Jillian, Elise, and Jen are away today. Well, the holidays are upon us, and for this week's feature interview, we have a vegan chef superstar who will be here to tell us all about how to plan and host a successful holiday vegan meal where no animals are harmed, of course. We'll have Brian Patton on the show, also known in the online world as The Sexy Vegan. He is an executive vegan chef and has a large internet following on YouTube and Facebook, where he regularly posts entertaining and informative instructional cooking videos of all things vegan. On his show this week, I learned how to make a traditional Italian pizza dessert, which would be lovely for the holidays, and I'm excited to have him on to tell us more as he has some really great recipes to share. That interview is coming up in about 31 minutes, so please do stay tuned for that. But to start, I want to welcome our special in-studio guest today. Again, we have Alexandria back here and her mom, Susie, back. Hi, Susie. Hi. Thanks for coming. Thanks so, for did you know you are our first vegan mother-daughter duo who we've ever had on the show? We're like, like superheroes. Yeah, I was thinking back. I'm like, wow, we've had a lot of different kinds of people on the show, but never a vegan mother-daughter duo. So... I know you, Alexandria, as Allie. You and I used to play in a band together a long, long time ago. We both play clarinet. I still play in that band. You have since moved on to do many things. And you've established yourself as the founder and CEO of the Universe of Allie. And I want to know more about that. So what is that all about? I know you as a singer. You're a great opera singer. And we're going to be featuring one of your songs later, actually. But I'm really interested as well to know about your artistry in cosplay and then also how animals fit into that, too. Well, basically, the universe of Ali is like the universe of you or the universe of somebody else. It is the culmination of who I am and all the different interests that I have or or things I've done in my career or, or, or things that are important to me and I decided or as I learned along the way in my career as a singer um, and then discovering cosplay and, and always knowing that I loved animals why doesn't it make sense that it would work together and I think that a lot of people think that things are very separate um, mm-hmm. but in actuality everything is connected we're, we're connected and as I'm a pantheist myself so I believe that everything the trees the animals the people the table it's all it's all connected equally together with energies and so the universe of valley is that it's a culmination of everything that i do um i I, obviously we started yeah in a band playing clarinet um and then i moved to the uk and had a career as an opera singer as a commercial opera singer and i was very fortunate to travel around the world and then get to come back and sing for like the opening of the uh 
the oval. The Richmond, Richmond Oval. Yeah, I played yeah. At. yeah I you did play that. at that. Yeah, I was there. Oh yeah, God. we did the opening. See, everything is connected. Yeah, everything comes around. And you're back Absolutely. here in town. You don't live here anymore, but you're no. back here to visit your family. Yeah, I'm back here um, for vacation for the holidays. I live in Toronto right now. And that's when I started um, getting f- more into the into the animal right so as I had always loved animals as a child I remember like the first song I ever wrote was actually an environmental song because that is also connected um no one will ever hear of that it's not great but um then I I remember I made a phone call to Greenpeace one day and I, I was just like a little kid and I said can I you know what can I do what can I do and at that time they were just like you can just you know do you have money like we just want money to get in and so I was actually kind of disappointed oh. because I was like I will lick envelopes for you like I will get a paper cut I have saliva I'm just <laughs> can I use it right like I I'll give you my DNA for the, yeah. for the licking of the envelope I'll do all these things but um they it kind of like made me made me think like oh I have to be famous or I have whatever to to mm-hmm. be someone that can help animals with the skills that I have um and so when I moved back to Canada and I moved to Toronto, um, I was very fortunate to be able to have this great venue, um, this old mansion, and called the Off- Armour Heights Officers Mess. And so I decided I'm just going to take all my random skills and put them to good use. And for me, and that that then combines in what my career is as a singer, because I always loved going on stage and having being surrounded by the atmosphere, and I want to give that to other people. So I decided to put on these Halloween charity events, because obviously mm-hmm. cosplay, dressing up, it's my thing. So um, this, this has been the third year. But this year I partnered up with someone else um, from Vegan Social Events. Her name's Avra Epstein. Um, the previous two events were just um, Universal Valley events. And basically, it's totally decor amazing party. You come in and, and it's, a, it's a party first foremost for people, but it's also an educational event. So it's a charity event. First two years were for animal justice. This past year was for Storybook Farm Primate Sanctuary. And um, basically, it's a chance for people to be immersed in an experience, but at the same time be subtly educated. So we have you know guest speakers that come them to speak and then and then I speak at the end and for, for me it's really important that I find the connection in all of people to show that even just one small difference adds up to a lot and so my event is open to vegans non-vegans everything in between because I want it to be all inclusive and I feel that it's it's important because because again like sometimes vegan community can be very hard on itself and so I I just want you know, it's like, it's all about love. It's all about, like, what can we do with our skills? And and so that's basically the gist of I really that, like the yeah. idea of, as you said, entertaining people, but educating them subtly, because that's how you bring people in, is by just, I think there are other, there are other various interests, like you have, and you found yours, and you brought mm-hmm. them in to, to entice people and learn more about animal advocacy issues at the same time. So I'm interested to know, both you and your mom, Susie, are both vegan. I don't know who came first as a vegan the chicken and the egg <laughs> so I want to learn your story so whoever wants to go first you can go first like what was your journey into veganism um I I think actually my mom was vegan first and from what I see that's from, amazing from mindset, yeah and I don't think she even realized she were vegan I, my story is that I grew up old McDonald's on the farm and I saw the wonderful animals and everybody was happy and then I go into the grocery store and I see these packaged meats I'm thinking, how do these two relate? Then I found out how they related, and I found out how they weren't so happy. Maybe the ones on stage were, but the ones behind weren't, and so it affected me, and I just made a decision, if you can look me in the eye, I can't eat you. 
And I started doing this for myself. I didn't push it on any of my other family members. I quietly went on my own way. And then, luckily, my daughter went the same way. And she's educated me more so because she's very involved. She wants to share with everybody. And I've picked up. And in turn, I've passed it on. I love that ripple effect. I'm curious to know, like, at what point in your life did this happen for you? I was... um, I think in my 30s. 30s. So, Allie, young child at that time, yes. I guess. Yeah. And Allie, can you tell us about how maybe you were inspired by your mom and you saw her example? Well, my mom is one of the most disciplined people I've ever met. And so when she decides, when she learns of something and she decides that that is her journey, she goes full throttle. And so... I mean, I'm completely inspired by her dedication and, and especially, I mean, we're going to talk about this probably later, but about palm oil. I mean, she is like the ingredient reader master and, um, and she, I, I talk about it a, a lot in my events and yeah. So let's and talk about that. That is a pressing issue, pressing issue in, in today's world with regarding animal advocacy. Yeah, yeah. A, a palm oil, I think it's like the silent killer. Um, to me, I relate it almost to the tobacco industry. It creates a huge amount of money for countries and, um, and corrupt countries involved in that. And it kills not only animals, but it kills people. Um, it kills the forest or the jungles. Um, it's a huge it's a huge problem and it's in 50% of our products. It, not even the things we eat, but toothpaste, shampoo, everything. And um, what I find extremely concerning in that is that so far it hasn't been fully accepted as a non-vegan item. So it's in a lot of vegan products, a lot of food products. Food products that are labeled as vegan. As vegan. Yeah. And I don't understand that. I, I haven't, I, I see people are starting to talk about it more and more, mm-hmm. which I'm really happy about. But I really think that vegan companies need to step up as a starting point to to be a inspiration for other non-vegan companies and say this is a problem. Like, yes, okay, it's just a vegetable oil; it doesn't come from an animal. But in ten years, the orangutans will be gone. Right. So maybe we can briefly touch on that a bit more, is like how it actually directly affects orangutans. We have done interviews on this subject before. I know about it, but can you briefly tell our listeners about how it does directly affect animals? Well, the problem with Palm oil is that you need a place to plant it. So um, jungles, forests are burnt down, which causes air pollution, of course, to the people. And um, and then palm oil plants are planted into the ground, therefore leaving it impossible for an orangutan to live because they don't live on palm oil, or sorry, on palm plants. They live in trees. They are the people of the forest. They are our cousins. They are pretty much exactly the same, except that they look different and they don't speak our language. But palm oil directly affects them because we are taking away their habitat in order for us to have a convenience in our lives and to order to make money for companies. So it's to me, I, I'm become more and more increasingly passionate um, from this issue because for me, orangutans, I, I was linked to them as actually the Toronto Zoo when I was a child. I went there and my mom can attest to this, saw an orangutan, I freaked out, the orangutan freaked out and even going to see the fish after wouldn't calm me. Um, maybe that's because subconsciously I knew they shouldn't be in tanks, <laughs> but um, they, they, I feel very connected to them in myself. Mm-hmm. And so when I see palm oil being so common and and, and being lied to us, because we, there's so many labels for it. I mean, even if you wanted to look for palm oil and be good about it, it you can't even understand what it, where it is or what it is. And so I think that palm oil should have a label. I think I think that when you read when you have a label that says vegan, it should you should 
know that that's to consider palm oil absolutely Mm -hmm. so this is like a real chance for companies now that the vegan movement is growing um people are having more conscious people are, are learning more things they need to get on board of that and so can i just give like a big shout out to cultured because um I haven't had butters since I was became vegan, and they have a, be- a butter that is vegan and palm oil free. It's, what is it called? Cultured. Um, cultured. C U L C H E R D. So it's a, yeah. a Canadian company, okay. Toronto based, but you can get them at Vegan Supply. Cool. I looked cool. it up. Well, we're gonna look look out for it's that. It's amazing. It tastes just like the original. Yeah, I've just tried. I've tried the Miyoko's. Um, also palm vegan oil butter it's also amazing. yeah and that stuff is great yeah. so and I, you can make your own butters as well apparently the recipes are really easy to make I haven't well, tried I haven't, to yeah, yet yeah, yeah there, there are recipes online for that so I want to talk more about uh, how you view your role in the world as a public figure who can address animal rights issues within the form of art I think it's really important for us who care about social justice issues to find our niche in society in whatever that we do or are good at or our interests or our skills in are, are, are at and you've done that and oh, cosplay you. like you. whatever thing which is for people who don't know what is that it's dressing up basically <laughs> yeah fun costumes and it, you can apply that to animal activism and I and, am it's so strange I and, and as I look back at you know old photo shoots or old costumes that I did I didn't it's interesting to see the characters that I chose to dress up as, and I just have to just to do a, a strip back to cosplay. Cosplay started in Japan. It means costume. Cosplay means costume play, and it's 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 you know comic cons and things like that are big Marvel movies, and but it's about. It, people don't just dress up just because well people dress up for different reasons but a lot of it is to embrace the the essence of the character because of course those characters were created for us to feel empowered in some way um, or to feed a quality that we wish to have and so um, when I look back at costumes that I've done I realize the characters I've chose are actually like badass animal activists like I did a post-apocalyptic Snow White which I recently posted on my on my Instagram Universe Valley and I was like uh, Snow White she loves animals clearly she's an mm-hmm. animal activist hello and like Poison <laughs> Ivy is one of my favorite characters um, every every Four years running, um, I do a pilgrimage with my friend on Instagram who's Betty Newcomb, and we go down, we each do, she does Harley Quinn, I do Poison Ivy, we do different versions, and I'm like, uh, Poison Ivy, eco-warrior, like it, it, so it's interesting, and and I think, so going back, okay, so why, how do I combine it, or... Mm -hmm whichever is a public figure as an artist um it, i really think it's about embracing who you are yes you know and whatever having that part of your identity and yes. bring it through for the animals or yes. whatever or social whatever justice you causes you are passionate exactly about. and that goes back to the title or the name of a company that i have universe of valley it can be universe of anything it's 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 looking at the mm-hmm. stars it's saying okay we are made of stars we are all connected and we are all individual like snowflakes right. we're all amazing we have we have two other alleys in the studio today so we're gonna have to compete <laughs> for that name right we have Amir Ali and I'm <laughs> Ali but yeah that, that's so great so we're gonna hear f- more from from you later but uh, we're gonna take a short break right now thanks for that did you know that Vancouver Co-op Radio CFRO 100.5 FM has over 90 different shows produced by over 350 community members This wide range of programming produced by our diverse group of programmers ensures that we have a show you'll love. We have shows on feminism, spirituality, disability rights, politics, unions, and parenting. We play jazz, indie rock, 
reggae, blues, and folk. We broadcast in a dozen different languages and have more First Nations programs than any other radio station in Vancouver. Find your show on Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. All different, all the time. We've got some some interesting events coming up, actually. Um, this Sunday, December the 17th, Direct Action Everywhere is going to be in Burnaby at Metro Town. Do you like singing or playing an instrument? You can join Direct Action Everywhere for their December action taking place in the heart of the action at Metro Town Centre this Sunday. Dress in your festive best and join folks in a group sing-along of Burt Backrack's What the World Needs Now is Love, right in the middle of the mall. And there will be signs provided to hold during the song, encouraging the public to extend their holiday love and compassion to animals beyond ourselves humans. So you can find out more on their event page online. Um, you can find them on Facebook at Direct Action Everywhere, Vancouver Coast Salish Territories. Um, the following Sunday, December 24th, Virtuous Pie is bringing together friends, family, family, neighbors, and new faces for a family-style meal to celebrate the holiday season and to raise money for Backpack Buddies. Um, Backpack Buddies is a nonprofit dedicated to reducing childhood hunger in Metro Vancouver through the delivery of backpacks filled with food for kids. So there are two seatings for this dinner. There's one from 12.30 to 3.30 and one from 5.30 to 8. I believe the 5.30 to 8.30 one is sold out. So 12.30 to 3.30 on Sunday, December 24th at Virtuous Pie. I'd be going to that if I was in town. Yeah. That sounds really good. Yeah, and the, it's for a good cause. Yeah. For the chari- charity season. Yes. Tickets are $45 and the proceeds are going to Backpack Buddies to feeding hungry kids in Vancouver. You can reserve your seats online. They've got an Eventbrite page so you can look that up online virtuous pie holiday dinner and uh the menu sounds delicious seriously um <laughs> and uh friday december 29th through sunday december 31st the whole last weekend of the month uh join the biggest and most powerful animal rights outreach event in vancouver history five organizations including anonymous for the Voiceless, DXC, Vancouver Chicken Save, Liberation BC, and TV Outreach for Animals are joining forces for one incredible three-day event. From 4 to 8 p.m., videos from slaughterhouses will be screened through a projector at the corner of Canby and Broadway. Um, so all sorts of ways you can take part in that. Um, you can find out more about this event at anonymousforthevoiceless.org. And Allison, you've got a couple of things to mention as well. Yeah, I want to announce our Meatless Meetup holiday potluck that's happening tomorrow. So if you're in Vancouver and you want to eat some great plant-based food where no animals are harmed, come out tomorrow, Saturday, December 16th. This is happening at the Oak Ridge SDA Church at 5350 Bailey 
Street in Vancouver. Everyone is welcome. Doors open at 4.30 p.m. We'll be eating around 5.30. And this will be a fundraiser for the Van Eco Village Food Bank. Entrances by donation in cash plus a potluck dish. And I'm also happy to say that I had a bunch of uh, Gardein holiday roasts donated for this event. So we'll be serving them there. But we've also had a lot donated to the um, ADAV, which is Anti-Defense Animal Anti Sorry, Animal Defense Anti-Vivisection Society of BC, and they're going to be selling these roasts. They have many to sell for ten dollars, and. Um, that money will go to their campaigns. Their two main campaigns are Stop UBC Animal Research and Humane Charities Canada and also a campaign with St. Paul's Hospital that we'll be talking about later. So if you're interested in buying one of these Guardian Holiday Roasts, which are no longer available in Canada in stores for purchase, we were just lucky to have these donated by the company. They can contact uh, Laura Lee by texting her at 604-551-9297 and they can accept cash or transfers so that's if you're in the vancouver area and for the potluck on saturday please go to meetup.com slash meatless meetup to find out more it's also on our facebook page animal voices vancouver if you have an animal friendly event that you would like to have announced on the show please send us an email at radioanimalvoices at gmail.com or post it on our facebook page animal voices vancouver so now that it's the holiday season Many people are in gift-giving mode, and I'd like to recognize that there are so many wonderful charities and nonprofit groups out there who are doing great work for the animals and who are also deserving of receiving gifts of cash donations during the holidays so that they can continue to do the great work that they do in the new year. These groups are reliant on donor contributions to keep going, so that means that we as animal advocates need to step up and help out however we can. We here at Animal Voices, with a very limited with the very limited time we have today have chosen a handful of nonprofit groups that we personally would like to recommend when considering your holiday gift giving this year. First, we're going to start with the Canadian organization Animal Justice, which Ali's going to talk about. Yeah, Animal Justice is the only Canadian law organization that helps um, protect animals with, within the laws and to try to create new laws to help them. I was very fortunate in my first two Halloween charity events to um, have given the money to Animal Justice, so they are very close to my heart. Um, they are doing amazing cases that are actually, like, every single day they're coming out with new stuff that they're teaming up with, videos that they're creating. Um, a big one, of course, is the Vancouver Aquarium case. Um, they're teaming up to, of course, try to help the animals. I just have to point out how ridiculous it is that the aquarium's side is challenging the band, saying that it's an essential way of freedom of expression to have these animals in tanks. To me, th that only helps animal justice further because that's clearly a definition of a circus. So can I just, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's ridiculous. We talk about the aquarium lot here oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you do. It is, it is unbelievable. I mean, there's, they have, the last 13 months, four out of the five animals have died. So clearly, they are not meant to be in a tank. Um, also, most recently, is that they have teamed up with conservative MP Michelle Rempel to bring Bill 3 
882 Parliament to close the legal loophole allowing animals to be sexually abused at my one of my events again animal justice spoke and told the guests um, in their in their speech that they were they had spoke gone to the Supreme Court for the first time to defend animals in a case that involved bestiality and I remember the room was silent after they went <gasps> because nobody expects first of all that you would sexually abuse an innocent being like an animal neither would they expect that in in Canadian law it's legal so I just want to do a big shout out obviously to Animal Justice Um, and you can go find the petition that will be created online soon and you can donate animaljustice.ca yes Okay, so our next charity, Sinead's going to present. Yeah, yeah. When you asked about which charities to recommend, then uh, I'd, my first thought is, yeah, local local people doing good for animals. And one group that's doing that is Hearts on Noses. Um, Janice uh, Gillette at, uh, out in Mission, she's got a sanctuary. She's got 45 pigs over there. She takes these pigs in who would have been out of luck otherwise. And uh, she's looking after them all, and she's just doing really great work doing outreach and educating people about how intelligent and sensitive pigs are they're so much more than than bacon as they are so often seen as and uh and she's she's just out there doing this you know she's always always in uh she's one of the most dedicated animal advocates that i know that this is what she dedicates her life to so how can mm-hmm. we donate to hearts on noses you can go to their website heartsonnoses.com and uh and they need uh, over a thousand bucks a month just to cover feed and bedding and stuff and they so also need volunteers if you want to do that yes so there are all sorts of ways to help hearts and noses and uh, you can sponsor a pig for 25 dollars a month or you can or you can donate however much you want, or whatever works for you. So, yeah, check them out at heartsonnoses.com and go visit them. I, I want to do that. Yeah, we will do that in the new year. So, Ali, your next uh, your next charity that you'd like to recommend is Storybook Farm Primate Sanctuary. Yeah, so this is a um, sanctuary that is based in Sunderland, Ontario, but it is the only monkey sanctuary in Canada. Um, it's hard to believe that we actually have monkeys in Canada because they're clearly not from here but they are you know exotic pet trade is also legal in Canada or in Ontario at least and um, and laboratory testing still happens with animals I know St. Paul's Hospital is planning to build research buildings that would include animal testing and there's also petitions online to try to stop that um, so Storybook Farm Primate Sanctuary is 100% volunteer run they get no grants they get no government funding so when you donate to them you're a little every single cent goes to goes to feeding them um it's quite an amazing place so you can donate online you can adopt monkeys um it's storybookmonkeys.org and also can i just do a shout out currently um i am doing instagram for a monkey called pockets warhol who paints and if anybody would like to follow pockets um that would be amazing he is part of storybook monkeys and he's a acclaimed artist wow that sounds really good i'm going to check that out so i get a lot of emails during this time of the year about the great work that different organizations do and one that particularly comes to mind is Rico Berry's Dolphin Project, which they're not Canadian-based. They're actually worldwide-based. Rico Berry is one of my heroes. He's been working endlessly for the last 47 years to end the suffering of dolphins across the world. If you've seen the Academy Award-winning film The Cove about Japan's bloody dolphin slaughter, you will have seen him in that as he was the main featured character in that film. We also had him on the show here around that time in 2010. Rico Berry sent me a letter this week explaining the 
the progress that they have seen this past year in their fight for the dolphins. The three most difficult places on earth to work on behalf of dolphins are Japan, Indonesia, and the Solomon Islands. In fact, Rickleberry's Dolphin Project is the only organization on the ground in these places, and he says they will stay there as long as dolphins are in need. They have been long advocating for dolphin sanctuaries to retire captive dolphins from aquariums and are continuing to move forward with plans for Europe's first dolphin sanctuary project. This year, Lincoln O'Berry and Dr. Sarah Maltzoff returned to the Solomon Islands to continue their work in helping dolphin hunting communities transition away from their conventional hunts, and they've moved the annual kills from an average of 850 to 110 in 2016. The Dolphin Project returned to the cove in Taiji, Japan for its 15th season this year, where their team is on the ground for the entire six-month hunting season using live streaming technology and 360 degree immersive video to document the dolphin drive hunts they remain committed to sharing the information with the world so for more information on how to donate and rickleberry's dolphin project please go to dolphinproject.com and remember that every time you donate to the dolphin project you are aiding the longest running anti-captivity dolphin welfare organization in the world and finally we have one more charity that we would like to recommend which amir is going to talk about yeah there's some amazing ones but with yeah with all these amazing charities and groups that you can help out there's one that you might not have even thought about and that mm. is us animal voices we, we are, are a charity we're yeah not. no we remember run we're all volunteers allison doesn't pay me to push these buttons and no one pays her to guide this ship the main weight co-op radio and thereby animal voices stays alive is through the donations of our members and our supporters you can pledge to us for as low as five dollars a month through coopradio.org and every dollar truly counts so yeah if you're looking for more stockings to stuff this holiday season from a standpoint of charity animal voices could always use your help because we want to keep bringing you what's going on in the vegan community locally and internationally and we want to keep bringing you amazing guests like Ali Beck you can visit cooperadio.org to donate or you can reach out to Animal Voices directly if you prefer Animal Voices Vancouver on Facebook and we'll have more contact info, info for you later on in the show as well yeah and I just wanted to say as well for all the charities and nonprofits that we have recommended for this segment please go to our website all the links are there at animalvoices.org All right, and you are listening to Animal Voices here on 100.5 FM, CFRO, Vancouver Co-op Radio in Vancouver, BC, Canada, unceded Coast Salish Territories. And uh, we've had some pretty interesting news here in Vancouver over the past week um, regarding animals. Uh, Last Tuesday, our city council voted unanimously to ban the sale of dogs, cats, and rabbits in pet stores in Vancouver. This is a huge victory, finally. Yeah, you know, this comes after 2,000 people called the city and more than 4,000 others signed a petition to complain about the welfare of animals in pet stores. They're still allowed to display dogs, cats, cats and rabbits that that come from shelters or rescue organizations. Um, but that's it. And, you know, until last summer, there actually were no pet stores in Vancouver that were selling puppies for more than a decade. But Pet Habitat, which is a notorious pet store in Metrotown, they moved to Granville on 71st last August. Um, and uh, But they closed their doors just a few days before the bylaw came into effect. So how, how, how about that? Yeah, yeah we actually had uh, Kathy Pallison of Pause for Hope on the show to talk about uh, breeding mills and 
the issues behind this. Check um, that out on our website yeah. if you want to learn more, because these are issues that aren't just, they're not just out there. They're they are not going to be advertising where you're, you get your puppies from. Check out animalvoices.org mm-hmm. for something. Yeah, animalvoices.org. Kathy Paulson. Yeah, that's right. Uh, pause for hope they're one of the one of the groups that's really been pushing for it they've actually done a lot of work to get uh, <clears throat> richmond new westminster and north van all now have this same ban in place um thanks to a lot of pushing from pause for hope i believe and uh, last month delta also joined the list and surrey is considering it so uh so that's great news um and petitions work yeah, and you know, unfortunately, this this ban doesn't cover some of the smaller animals. Mm-hmm. You know, just I mean, it's funny because we'll we're, get there though. We're, we'll get like there. Like the it's cats and steps, dogs, you know? that's, that's a big step. It's uh, yeah, I, you know, I think it's important to recognize we can keep the momentum going, and hopefully, people will recognize that it's messed up to buy and sell any sentient individual as property. You know, <laughs> I think that's what it's about. It's it's having a great things happening and then continuing it, mm-hmm, yeah. telling people and. And also, I mean, I just can't say enough how much petitions work. I feel like I'm constantly talking about We're it We're going to be doing a show one day about how petitions awesome. work. Awesome. One That's day. Awesome. People think yeah. they don't. You know, think, yeah. oh, you know, big deal. But you see it all the time. I think more and more. Yeah. People are listening. Mm-hmm. People are yeah. coming together. It, uh, you can make a difference. You can and do make a difference for animals. Um, another story here in BC, an animal sanctuary in Winlaw is currently under investigation by the Canadian Food Inspection Agency. The sanctuary owners of a CC Life Farm Sanctuary in Winlaw rescued two sick and injured bull calves from a dairy farm in the Kootenays last summer. And the CFI is now investigating them for violating the Health of Animals Act, which says injured farm animals can't be transported. So this is a rather absurd story. Bull calves at dairy farms are usually either sold for veal or killed on site. These ones were very sick and CC Life Farm Sanctuary purchased them for $175 and they've since spent around $8,000 in vet bills to rehabilitate them. Um, But the CFIA said the investigation was prompted after being contacted by an unidentified person about the sale of the animals. They routinely conduct these investigations based on these types of reports to gather more information of what's going on and no decision has been made yet. But... uh, but yeah, the owners of the sanctuary are being advised by Anna Pippis of Animal Justice, Animal Justice. and, and uh, she pointed out that the bigger the, the bigger question here is why are people attempting why are the people who are attempting to alleviate the distress of animals under investigation rather than the people who put them in distress in the first place so so that's a good point again is like don't don't just listen to what the authorities are telling you you have to have a mind of your own and always questions question things that you're being told yes. exactly especially and, where compassion is mm-hmm. concerned and, and i know yeah. a lot of people think that you know if you say you're vegan or you say you're for animals or you say you don't want to eat animals people immediately think you're the crazy one yeah it's but think a, about what that actually stands for and maybe that's part of your identity too maybe exactly. you don't want to hurt animals yeah well and one thing that uh, cc life farm sanctuary uh, mentioned they they wouldn't say which dairy farm they got the calves from it's somewhere in the kootenays but they said that the problem isn't just one dairy farm exploitation 
pollution and suffering of animals is inherent throughout the entire dairy industry. So I think that's important to keep in mind as well. Well, thank you for that news today, Sinead. Our feature interview today is with Brian L. Patton, also known as the sexy vegan in the online world. Brian came to internet semi-fame in the early days of YouTube and his funny, irreverent, offbeat cooking videos. He has since penned cookbooks, contributed to and been featured on television and major media outlets such as the New York Times and the Huffington Post and is a regular recipe columnist for Veg News Magazine. Brian is also an executive chef, popular social media personality and founder of 99 Publishing, makers of expertly crafted single recipe cookbooks. In today's show, Brian will be speaking to us about his cooking tips and advice for celebrating a compassionate vegan holiday. Hi, Brian, and welcome to the Animal Voices Show. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. Well, thank you so much. I know it's a, it must be a busy time for you this time of the year, and we are so happy to have you on the show to talk about vegan cooking for the holidays. I have really been enjoying watching your instructional and entertaining Facebook Live cooking videos this week. Oh, I learned I learned how you. to make a pizza this week thanks to you. <laughs> but first, oh. yeah. But first, could you tell us about your vegan journey and how you came into veganism and vegan cooking as a career? Sure, sure. Well, I started off as not being vegan, as just about everybody right. does. And um, I, um, I was, I had just started working sort of in uh, the cooking world, and I was just working at this little cafe, and I was not vegan, and I was, I was very, uh, I was very overweight. I was about two hundred sixty pounds, and uh, around that same time, a friend of mine and his brother started this company where I'm currently the chef. Uh, it's a vegan meal delivery service in Los Angeles called Veg and Out, and. Um, uh, I started working with them. They just needed somebody to help, like, chop vegetables or whatever. And I was like, what, what is that? What are those little tiny balls there? And they were like, well, that's called quinoa. And I was but <laughs> keep in mind, this was about 12 years ago. So nobody knew what quinoa was. Uh, so I started to get introduced to vegan food. And I was like, this looks kind of healthy. Um, maybe I'll try it as, like, a, I'll do, like, for a month and just, just that'll be my diet. And then maybe I'll lose a couple pounds and start making better food choices. Um, so I became vegan for one month. Just overnight, I was like, I'm starting on Monday, this coming Monday, and, and I'll be vegan for a month. And, uh, and after a month, I started to feel pretty good, um, and I dropped a couple pounds. I thought, that wasn't so hard. Uh, I can do another month. So I did another month, started feeling better, and then you know, I kept going, doing more months. And by 10 months, I had dropped about 60 pounds, and, uh, and I felt great. I felt that, you know, like I did like I was 18 years old. There was just, there, there was just so much more energy than I'd had in a very long time. And... Um, in that, uh, in that time, I couldn't help but come across, you know, vegan blogs. Just in searching for vegan foods and stuff, you come across all the other aspects of veganism, the ethical aspects. And once I sort of put it all together that I can thrive and feel awesome and be totally healthy and, like, not dead, uh, and nobody else has to die, then I was just sold, you know, for life. So that was 11 years ago. And I've uh, been vegan ever since. So that's the way to uh, go. That's sort of how it all started. It's very inspirational. So, yeah. so because we have a vegan chef on the show, I want to pick your mind a little bit about some of the cool innovations sure. in vegan cooking. I don't know, just some that come to mind, just sort of from recently, uh, aquafaba or using jackfruit Ooh. as meat. That's so in these days. And I saw that there's a new vegan egg like scramble that you can make. I think I saw that yeah. on your channel. So, just uh, like, sure. what what are you finding hot in the world of vegan? in food and cooking today with innovations? Well, certainly in the last couple of years, you know, the use of, of jackfruit, which is 
Uh, normally, it's a uh, it's as big fruit. It's about you know as big as like a basketball, even bigger. And uh, when it's sweet, it's sort of uh, you know it's like a sweet fruit, like a pineapple or something like that. But uh, what people started using it for was um, was using it in savory applications. So if you use an unripe the unripened meat of a jackfruit, um, it 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 doesn't have much flavor. Uh, so it's sort of a blank canvas, and it has this sort of meaty texture like a pulled barbecued pork or shredded up chicken sort of texture. So the coupling of the texture along with the ability to flavor it in so many different ways, it's really over the last like year and a half, two years, like exploded to the point where you can find the, the young green jackfruit, like the unripened jackfruit, in grocery stores like Trader Joe's and stuff. And uh, I think vegans can take credit <laughs> for that appearance. Uh, of of uh, of this sort of weirdly rare ingredient that's used mostly in like Southeast Asian stuff. Um, uh, now it's like on your grocery store shelf, and uh, and that that's really one of my favorite, you know, sort of meat replacements, especially if I'm you know hosting a bunch of uh, you know non-vegans. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll pull out the jackfruit, make some tacos or uh, some uh, pulled pork, or you know you could do any number of things with it. Yeah. Uh, so that's 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 an innovation that I don't even know who figured that out, but you know, I I bow to them. <laughs> it's amazing what um, you can make out of plants, and uh, and I think maybe yeah. we can have you on the show maybe another time to talk more about it because there's so much out there, and there's just so much, there's a wealth of information for vegan chefs like you to share with people yeah. who just love cooking and don't know about all these things but we're going to move on to the holidays now i was okay. so delighted okay. to see your recipes in the cookbook insert of the current holiday issue of veg news magazine and you have some really great looking recipes in there and actually uh, we were we were honored to be able to eat one just before the show because Sinead here our co-host she made your turkey wellington and she brought it to the show <laughs> and yeah. hey what did everyone oh, think of it cool what did everyone think of the it the pastry was amazing yeah the seitan was amazing yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, very good. And it was yeah. so big. It yeah. looked, it, like it looked, it looked we're, amazing. We're yeah. impressed. It looks like a really impressive roast. So, of course, there's this is called a turkey wellington, but there's not a real dead bird in the recipe. And rather, you use right. seitan to create a roast of right. meaty taste and texture. So, for our listeners who don't know why to praise seitan, can you tell us more about it, please? <laughs> yes, yes. I pray to seitan almost daily. Um, <laughs> you bow down uh, to and, it. And, and, and really... Uh, it, it's really the uh, what seitan is made from wheat gluten, which is the protein inside. You know, a, a, that's part of the wheat plant and part of wheat flour. So, uh, basically, what companies like Bob's Red Mill have done is they have uh, they have isolated the the protein part of the flour, stripped away everything else, and you can buy this 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 uh, vital wheat gluten flour just in most stores. And basically, you mix that with water and broth and spices. And you sort of knead it, and it becomes this dough. And it seems kind of weird. It's like this big, squishy brain thing. Um, but uh, then you can either uh, simmer it in some broth or steam it or bake it, and it has this really meaty texture because it's all protein. So it's stretchy and chewy. And, again, because like jackfruit, it's sort of a blank canvas. You can flavor it like chicken. You can flavor it like beef, like turkey, like all kinds of different things. And uh, it's just extremely versatile. You can bread it and deep fry it. You can you can bake it into a Wellington like I did. I, I make a like a loaf that's sort of like a turkey loaf that you can slice, you know, just like turkey slices. Uh, but I take it a step further. I wrap it in this puff pastry. Many, by the way, mo a lot of uh, just basic store bought 
puff pastry is vegan. Uh, they don't use butter, they use oil instead. Not because they're trying to be vegan, it's probably just because it's cheaper for these large companies to produce. But, uh, but it's, it's really this beautiful presentation. I served it at Thanksgiving, and uh, all, the, all, the, all my omnivore in-laws were like, we're going nuts over it. Yeah, because you really, I, I've heard people say they can't taste the difference. So you also have a rustic turkey and green bean tart in the Veg News Holiday Recipe yes. Book, which looks amazing. Yes. I want to make that one it. as well. Yes. It's a bit of an alternative idea to a typical holiday entree. I like that's kind of a mashup. There's also the traditional side dishes like stuffing, mashed potatoes, and gravy. And I read the, uh, the right. micro book that you sent me about mashed potatoes. Wow, did I ever learn a Thank lot you, about yeah. potatoes. That's amazing. So. <laughs> That, that's right. You know, so I've noticed that your versions of these types of traditional recipes, they actually look a lot more interesting to make than traditional recipes. But I wonder, I, that's mm-hmm. because you're a stellar chef, but I wonder if you can talk about how oh. easy it is oh. to actually veganize traditional side dishes that are commonly made with animal products and how we can make them taste the same or even better. Sure. I mean, mashed potatoes is the perfect example. There are, you know, dozens of milk alternatives uh, you know, uh, plant-based milks. There, there are a few different uh, vegan butters and margarines and things like that. So it's basically potatoes, butter, and milk. So we have all of that stuff vegan. But I take it a step further and prepare the potatoes in a certain way. I use the right type of potatoes. That's all in my, my little micro book that you mentioned, the only ma- vegan mashed potato recipe you'll ever need. And, uh, but uh, you can do other cool stuff but to, to infuse more flavor to make it even more interesting. So instead of uh, using just plain old like unsweetened almond milk, I use um, uh, I add a little apple cider vinegar to that to make it to to sour and curdle the milk so that it's more like buttermilk and it will have this sort of uh, underlying tang when you add it to the potatoes and it really uh, plays nicely with the earthiness of the potatoes. You have this other layer of flavor and so it's like using buttermilk in your potatoes, but we fake it with some uh, some apple cider vinegar. Well, Sinead here has a question for you. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I I had a good time cooking that Wellington, by the way. It was... Uh, very cool. Well, yeah. yeah, and it wasn't very difficult either, but I was thinking about how if I was making a whole dinner, then it might be a different mm-hmm. thing. So cooking a large festive holiday dinner can be a huge task, but what are some tips that you can offer our listeners on how to make this a more streamlined process so that everything goes by smoothly and well-prepared? Absolutely. It is all about preparation and being prepared, even start, starting your prep like three four days in advance, figuring out what you can do uh, beforehand so that you have less to do. So if you've got a bunch of onions to chop up, chop them up the day before. If you got, like for instance, for Thanksgiving, I made my gravy on Tuesday, uh, because that's something that will only taste better later on, and plus I don't have to wait for turkey drippings, which is nice. Um, and uh, so I make my gravy in advance. I'll chop up vegetables in advance. I'll prep my potatoes in advance so that on the day of, um, I have less to do. But th- the most important thing that I've started doing in the last in the last couple of years is uh, for the day. If I'm doing all the cooking, which is what I usually do for Thanksgiving um, uh, and, and for Christmas as well and all the big holidays, um, I will make a timeline on the, for the cooking day. So the day before, I'll sit down and say, okay, we want to eat at 5 p.m. So I, I, put, I put 5 p.m. at the top of my list, and then I work backwards. I'm like, okay, I would like the roast to come out of the oven at 4.45. Uh, that'll give me 15 minutes to slice it up and plate it. And before that, I want to have the potatoes ready. So I'll do this whole timeline. I'll spend time just focusing on this timeline that maybe starts at 11 a.m. And, 
And that way, on the day of, I don't have to think about what I need to do next, when I need to do it. I just trust the list that I made the day before, and that, that has changed you know, the stress level immensely when you're cooking a lot of different dishes on one day. Is make a timeline. Spend, a t- spend time the day before to make a timeline so you do not have to think about it um, on the day of, and you can just concentrate on like, not burning things or lighting the house on fire. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. Thank you. Yeah, I like the yeah. idea of yeah, sure. planning like days in advance so that I'm not stressed out the day of. So our guest co-host, Ali, has a question for you. Hi, Brian. Oh, okay. Hello, Ali. Hi. Hello. Um, I just wanted to ask you, how do you celebrate the holidays? I, mean, I heard that you have non-vegan in-laws, and I know that, you know, I, I do. I'm assuming a majority of vegans um, have non-vegan family members. Um, how do you celebrate where everyone can enjoy the food? And then do you have any tips for any of our omni- omnivore listeners who may have vegan guess i know obviously clearly uh jackfruit is an option for you as you mentioned earlier yeah, yeah. certainly so so the in-laws you know they're just happy they don't have to cook yeah the only the only really thing that's sort of not exactly like the other thing is like the seitan you know, it, it's got a good flavor. It's got the same herbs and things, uh, but you're not going to fool anybody that it's turkey. But um, but there's other no than body that, parts. Else, well, yeah, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Um, and yeah, there's no bones and stuff to pick, pick to. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's 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 better in every single way. But um, you know, everything else, stuffing, just make it with vegetable stock. You know, um, you know, gravy. You know, make it with vegetable stock, and then the rest is just vegetables and things. And, you can make those taste good. Just throw them with salt and pepper and oil and roast them, and everybody's going to like that. So, um, you know, big holidays, you know, meat aside, it's always the side dishes that are the things that are the most interesting. So it's not, for me, it's not really a challenge when I'm feeding people because, um, because I'm not solely focused on getting this, like, stupid piece of meat right. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about that because everything else is so darn good. Um, and, uh, and in terms of, uh, in terms of, you know, omnivores hosting vegans, you know, I think that uh, an omnivore who has a vegan coming over will kind of start to panic and, uh, and get all worried. Uh, but really, like, vegans are kind of chill about the holidays, I think, a lot of times. Like, if you've been vegan for a while, you know how to p- prepare. You know you're going to have to bring stuff to, to a holiday. Um, it's no big deal. And people, look, people will see it, and they think that you're having this terrible time where you're restricted and you don't get to enjoy all of the things. But you brought all of your stuff that you're going to enjoy. And holidays, they're about the food, but they're also about, you know, hanging out with friends and family and the people that you presumably like. Um, so I think that omnivores, you know, they can, they can ask their vegan guests and say, hey, like, I'm going to make mashed potatoes. Do you have any suggest? like, is there a way that I can make this so that you can eat them? Or, um, you know, they can ask for a recipe if they're going to do all the preparations. Or they can say, hey. Uh, you know, can you bring, you know, I would love you to bring one of your vegan dishes for everybody to, to have. And that will really make a vegan feel welcome and comfortable if you're, you know, asking them to, to offer their, the, you know, the thing that they love and the thing that they want to showcase. So, um, but, you know, they need to not freak out because vegans, for the most part, they've been vegan for at least a few months or a year or, or more. 
uh, you know, they kind of got it under control. Yeah, we're pretty it's used not to really it. something they need to panic about. Just stay calm and be vegan. So I want to talk about culture, yes. food, and tradition, as those are all deeply intertwined in our society. Our traditions are largely built around celebrating with community, family, and food. And some people may feel threatened from straying from these traditions that are part of their identity. So what would you like to say to our listeners about tradition and culture and how adopting a new lifestyle, such as veganism, can successfully fit into celebrating holiday traditions. Yeah, I mean, you know, no matter what type of, you know, tradition or culture you come from, you know, foods from here in America and, and, and really more so from, you know, other places in the world, so much of it is the spices and the, the flavors and, uh, and the cooking techniques. So you can adapt just about any type of cuisine to vegan cuisine. You just have to find those flavor profiles and, you know, I, I spend a lot of time looking, looking at non-vegan recipes when I want to, you know, expand my horizons, try something new. I'll go and look at non-vegan recipes just to see what sort of flavor profiles are being used so that I can incorporate those. Like, you know, instead of having a piece of meat, I'll have a piece of seitan or tofu or some, some meaty vegetable, you know, um, that, that can, you know, that can, that can be the carrier for all of those flavors. So, why, like you can still have those traditional flavors and uh, and still, you know, have that experience, but just with vegetables. And, I, you know, it's, it's really, you know, about having experience, not, not, not cooking or chef experience, just experience being a vegan, you know, as you go, you know, travel down the road of your veganism, the things you eat, like, multiplies, like, exponentially because you're searching out all these different things that you can just put these traditional flavors and, and things into all those different, uh, you know, vegetables. I made like, uh, I used celery root and I did a recipe that's coming up in veg news. I, instead of like shake and bake pork chops, I took all those seasonings, all that flavor and all that technique that you use to do, which is a very simple technique to do like a shake and bake pork chop. I just did it with a, uh, a steak of celery root and it was absolutely delicious. And it reminds me of something I used to eat as a kid, uh, because I'm using, you know, I found the flavors that, you know, would normally go into that and just applied it to a giant slab of vegetable. Yeah, I think that's so true that uh, in, in actually plant-based vegan cooking, there are actually many more options. So that's one reason why yeah. people shouldn't actually feel threatened by, you know, not sticking to their traditions of just like meat and potatoes. We have so much more that we can make if you want to break out of that, yeah. break out of that status quo kind of culture and be exploratory mm -hmm. and embrace adventure and learning and different yeah. tastes. So finally, and I'm, I'm Italian. I'm a, okay. You are Italian. Cool. Lasagna Christmas. So, so, you know, for Christmas Eve, we have a thing called the Feast of the Seven Fishes. So it's very seafood based, things like that. So I'll make some familiar dishes, but I'll use, you know, king oyster mushrooms and, and different types of vegetables that are, you know, that and, and use a seaweed uh, powder and different uh, types of uh, sea vegetables to bring this sort of fishy flavor and things like that. So. That's, so you're not that's missing out. So I want to know uh, how can people get connected to you online or where you live in Los Angeles? And please tell sure. us more about these single recipe cookbooks that you've been putting out. Right. So you can find me at thesexyvegan.com. I'm at thesexyvegan on all social media. Uh, Instagram is probably the one I use the most. And plus Facebook. I do a weekly live show every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Uh, on Facebook Live. And then also my, my little micro books is what I call them. They're single recipe cookbooks. They're digital downloads. 
They're 99 cents each. And as you've learned, you got my mashed potato one. I go into the science of mashed potatoes and, and, and of potatoes in general, and you really learn a lot. So I try to I try to take one topic and really do a deep dive into it, so that you're getting more than just a recipe. Because you can get a recipe just on a blog post. But if you're paying 99 cents for something, you want to get something more, and that's what I give you. And you can find those at 99publishing.com, 99publishing. Well, thank you, Brian, for coming on the show today to speak with us about compassionate cooking for the holidays. You can find out more about Brian Patton and support him at thesexyvegan.com. Plus, be sure to check him out on his Tuesday Facebook Live cooking videos on Facebook and look him up on Amazon to find his cookbooks in the 99publishing.com. Thanks, Brian. Happy holidays. Thank you. Same to you. Take care. You've been listening to Animal Voices on 100.5 FM CFRO Co-op Radio in Vancouver, Canada, unceded Coast Salish territories. Please join us on our next show, Friday, December 22nd, when Allison will be reviewing a new book called Vegan Holiday Cooking, and Jen is going to focus on spreading all that holiday compassion to activists. Folks involved with activism take on a lot, and she'll be covering some of those struggles and some tips for the general public on how to better understand where social change makers are coming from. We here at Animal Voices want to connect with you online. Animalvoices.org is where you can stream shows or download the shows as podcasts, read our show blog with detailed links, and subscribe via iTunes. Stay in touch with us via our Facebook page, Animal Voices Vancouver, and join us on Twitter at Animal Voices YVR. You can also send us your suggestions and comments about the show either on Facebook or via email at radioanimalvoices at gmail.com. And to end the show today, we're going to play a song by Allie here. What do you want to say about this song? Yes, this song is called All of You, and basically it is Mother Earth, or it could be it could be even taken as your own self, calling in the animals, um, loving them all equally for all, through all their struggles, through all their hardships. Wonderful, wonderful. So stay tuned for that, and stay tuned for Radio EcoShock with Alex Smith. Thank you so much for listening to Animal Voices today, and remember to be kind to the animals.